0: I'm so excited to talk to our guest today on Driving with Dave. We have Booker of one of the, I would say, more notorious comedy clubs in the country. She's in. She her, the the lives of comedians are in her hands. It's Lucy Sinzheimer. Sinzheimer. Yeah, yeah. There we
1: go. You go. H is silent. It's confusing.
0: Uh, uh No. Right, so you're on the right. other side of the brick wall, and yeah. that's what's so interesting to me in talking to you. You you are in a position that I would say, I would not say is an enviable position. Either people love you or hate you because you get to decide who gets on the stage. How's that?
1: You know, I think when I was young, I've been doing it for like 11 years now and I was like 20 when I started. So that aspect was super overwhelming when you're young, but when you get older, you're just like,
0: how do you get started booking (laughs) comedy?
1: Well, I loved comedy, but I didn't want to do it. Right. So there's no like, Book on what you do when you love comedy but you don't want to be on stage so I figured the thing to do is find the club in my hometown and like a comic email them and call them until they <laughs> until they couldn't ignore me anymore and uh, set up a meeting with the owner of that club which was the comedy zone in Charlotte and was just like I think I was 19 at the time and I was like can I just come work here over the summer like I I want to do something. And they were like, well, why don't you be our intern? Like, interns were... Like, you didn't have to pay interns (laughs) back then. I think you have to pay them now. Do you? I don't know. um, I think there's, like, a law now. But anyway, so they (laughs) would... So I interned for them for a summer, and I would work at the box office at night. And basically, I was just, like... (sighs) It sounds like I'm old, I'm not, but they were kind of stuck in a different time period. I would fax things for them, fax contracts, and keep them organized during the day. And then at night, I'd help seat the room and sell tickets. But um, that summer, all the club owners from the South, like the Punchline Comedy Club in Atlanta, the um, Zanies in Nashville, the Stardom in Birmingham, and then the Comedy Zone, they all met up in Charlotte. And they were all doing what's called a routing call, where they call different agents and try to route comics through all of their clubs. Mm. And. So, for
0: those that don't, because yeah. my audience isn't always necessarily audience of uh, comedy focused so it's it's it'd behoove a comic if they live in la to go do Zaney's nashville maybe yeah. zany chicago scoop around milwaukee yes. like and kind of like do a couple in a row versus flying in and out every weekend
1: exactly and some comics aren't going to be able to sell a whole weekend at different clubs so it makes sense to do like tuesday wednesday thursday you know nashville huntsville birmingham wherever so we're on these routing calls and the agents are pitching younger comics And the club owners don't really know these younger comics. And I'm just kind of throwing out my opinions. And that caught the attention of the uh, club owners in Nashville. And I still had like a semester left in school. So they were like, whenever you're finished, you have a job here. Uh, Which was awesome. I'm so lucky for that. And then I got here and they didn't quite know exactly what the job was. So I was doing like social media for them and then booking showcases sounds like you
0: kind of created
1: a job yeah and then slowly that turned into like booking all the openers and then that turned into booking the off nights and then that slowly turned into weekends and now I think I have uh, five clubs total.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. Right. You've, got, you've got Huntsville, Huntsville. Zanies here, a new, a second club here. Opening. Yes.
1: Opening in April, the, the lab at Zanies and um, Chicago and Rosemont.
0: Oh, you're booking Chicago and mm-hmm. Rosemont. Yeah. I've been oh doing that for
1: about two years, I think. Wild.
0: Yeah. Now this is interesting because I talk to the audience a lot about making your dreams come true yeah. and what are your dreams. And so you, here you are pre- pretty much creating a job yeah. by looking for opportunities. Mm-hmm. And what's so, interesting is the number one reason why a lot of comedy clubs fail over time is because they stop putting talent on stage that audiences want to see. So it's almost like you're, you're the young, you're, you're the young hot girl who knows what the audience wants because you're a fan of it.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. And, and you know, my boss really has the best relationships in the world with the older comics. And he kind of taught me how to create the best relationships in the world with the up and coming comics. And I think together, like, that's how we've built such an awesome club.
0: You know, and you just posted about Shane Gillis, who of course hosted SNL and was fired from SNL. And (laughs) I think the whole comedy world knows what's uh, what's to come before Hollywood does. So like you can watch someone kill on stage and be like, oh, this guy's got it. He's going to be the next guy. How much of your booking is knowing the audience is gonna love what they're gonna see on stage versus the business side which is well this guy sells tickets right now
1: yeah you kind of have to have a really healthy mix i mean i remember the first time i booked tim dylan or the first time i booked jessica Kirson or even shane like they were on off nights and they sold maybe 80 to 100 tickets but you just knew that there was something there so you wanted to keep growing it. So you start at an off night and then you go into like a two late shows on a weekend and then you grow into five shows and then you grow into theaters and it it's, so it's important to have a good balance. You know what I mean? Like you,
0: you're the ones who hmm? you're the one who writes the checks. So it must be crazy (laughs) to see what it's like as a fan, for for a comedian when they can sell out a weekend oh yeah add the third date i mean Mm -hmm. because there is clubs where i mean and i'll just i'll use a different place like the Wilbur, which is more of a theater in boston Mm -hmm. but like there are comics making six figures that weekend oh yeah because they can sell tickets and unlike a rock band there's just less mouths to feed it's like you can get up on stage and not have to bring a drum kit and you can make some serious money there which it's it's pretty wild to see
1: so, it's so interesting to look at somebody's like first check they ever got versus like the last time they played a club before entering a theater, and you're like, whoa, yeah, that growth is crazy. You're like Dusty Slay, who's a local guy, um, he's been doing his Dusty Slay grandall Comedy Show at the club for probably eight years now. I think we started that show about eight years ago. We used to go on the radio together and beg people to come to that show.
0: Yeah, no, we you... used to
1: send e- me and him together used to send <laughs> cold emails to the the Tennessean, the Nashville scene, like all these, uh, great publications. But unfortunately at the time, just, they didn't know who he was Mm. to now, you know, cut to his Netflix special coming out. That show sells out the second we put it on sale. And that's wild that he's you guys... getting all this awesome press. it's it's really cool. yeah, that
0: must be that must be really fulfilling to mm-hmm. know somebody when they're not selling tickets and then yeah. you get to see sort of what they come into because, yeah, I mean like we all go from paying to do stand-up to making a lot of money to do stand up. Yeah. And like most creative endeavors, I've always said you're kind of like the intern until you're the CEO. There mm-hmm. isn't much middle ground there. So like how I know I'm, I'm sure I'm gonna have a lot of comics that want to know, like, how do you sift between, because there are so many comics that want to get on your stage, even in yeah. a smaller market, how do you sift between people that are ready versus who's not and who's got hope for Like, Like, what's your mindset like?
1: Um, that's an interesting question. I mean, I think you have to s- slowly start building some sort of a following before you can headline. Um, with locals, you know, it kind of starts from the beginning or like not even just locals local regional whatever I always say the be- the best thing to do if I haven't seen you is come do new material Monday which is the show we have every Monday and if I see you have a great set you'll come back and start doing it more and more and then as you start doing that more and more you become a host and as you start host, it's like kind of like that feeds into it. Like Amber Autry is a great example of it. I think she has just grown so much. And she used to be in Chicago and I stole her from Chicago. And um, I just saw something there, right? But just seeing something doesn't translate into tickets. So she just started performing at the club all the time on New Material Monday. And that transitioned into her hosting, which transitioned into her featuring and now she's starting to headline and I've never seen a human being hustle more to get people in the room. I mean, she's undeniable on every show she's on in Nashville and then she promotes her shows and now I think we have her coming in April and she's over a hundred tickets. It's like- You just have to like keep, I know it's so cliche, but it's like, it is a grind. And you have to keep going and you have, especially now too, you have to keep growing your social following. I mean, that is important in getting booked. Because that, I can see you have an audience.
0: Yeah, you have to. I mean, they. I always said this in Los Angeles. Like, pretty much everyone who's been doing comedy long enough in LA, it's like you're gonna, you're gonna get laughs. Yeah. But are you gonna sell tickets to my show? Yeah. And in a lot of cases, it's like you either sell out because you're famous, or you sell tickets because you're, it's your first time ever doing standup. Yeah. And people are excited to see you, and then you wear your friends out, and then it's right. about like, okay, I can no longer rely on my friends. I need to find audience that wants to see me because what you learn is that your friends and family aren't your fans, Yeah. and they're not going to be that pumped. But what I loved was um, I actually went to—I think it's the only show I've ever taken my wife to—Sunday mm-hmm. uh, night a couple of weeks ago. I went when Dave Nihil. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Ni- yeah, Nihil. Nihil. So him hit. If you if you pronounce his last name wrong, it sounds just like mine. So we were both <laughs> on stage at Laugh Factory. Uh, I didn't realize we were going back to back once in LA. And again, this is years ago. And it was kind of, we had this kind of fun moment. Like I was like, oh, you're like the Irish version of me. Well, he has since blown up on his socials. And I was like, oh, you got to see him. My wife's like, oh, I've seen him all over TikTok. And sure enough, he's selling out theaters at all times of the day across the world. And this is a guy that was like, you know, just battling for open mic stage time in Los Angeles. So it's really great when you get the opportunity, and when that opportunity meets what the internet can do, which is just like pour gasoline on your following.
1: Yeah, and I think people want to, it's easy to complain about it, right? Because it's not like it's a fun thing to get up and edit clips all the time and to be looking for content. But at the same time, it's like, if you compare this to 30 years ago or 20 years ago, when you had to be on television to get spots it's like at least that third party validation is taken out yeah you know it's different now it's It's different now it's you don't need the industry to be fully behind you to make it yeah you just need to make it make your own audience find your own audience and obviously that's not as easy as xyz there's no perfect formula for it but
0: but we know the formula is doing something and i think a lot of people kind of get lost and don't really know and I think some people maybe try to figure it out too soon and it's just kind of like a weird initiation where yeah guys like Dusty Slay I mean he's been doing it for a long time time. you know you don't just you can't just like you can stumble upon a laugh but you can't stumble upon an act
1: yeah it's comedy is also you have to be patient like I know that's so frustrating to hear but even Matt Reif which everybody wants to have an opinion Matt Reif's been doing comedy for 12 years. He didn't wake up, start posting on TikTok, and get famous. Like, you know, three, four years ago, he was playing my room in Huntsville and we were papering the whole room. Like it's, it is, you have to work hard.
0: Yeah. And it's, and it's changed. I mean, I look at guys like Louis CK, who they talk about their glory days in New York city, where they'd end the night with a pocket full of cash because you get to do all these spots and this and that. And you could look, there's different ways you could look at it, right? You could say, well, that, that, that like spot pay doesn't exist in the bigger cities like it used to. P- pay's actually gone away, but yeah, there's people making thirty grand a month on Patreon. Right. So like technology does make it easier to make money when the times right. Like and I I did probably eight years of stand up before some of my stuff started taking off. Yeah, and I don't think I would exchange. I have I know people and I don't want to say their names, but I know people that broke early in comedy mm-hmm. and I got to watch them almost be disgruntled by their fan base Sure. when I was, when I was doing Uber and being like, oh my gosh, they're, they're actually dodging saying hi to their fans because it's like a burden to them when I would kill for those fans. So like I, I see like my audience that I found and I am so protective of them oh, because yeah. like- It's I, a
1: weird thing to see somebody hate their fans. I've seen that they're before They're like, too. they
0: literally, I, it's I, very I, strange. I can't say who this is, but they literally yeah, ordered either. food in the green room so that they could wait for the fans to leave. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Yeah. I, I have, um I have my last show before like our baby arrives, mm. uh, my last like traveling show, I'm going to, um, Phoenix to do their new improv, uh, oh, nice. but I have people flying in for that. Cause they're like, yeah. all right, they live in Canada. They want to come in when the weather's like nicer. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like I'm going to spend all night with these people. Yeah. It's it makes like... a
1: huge difference by the way, as, as a booker, like you can tell the fans remember when you go and, and shake their hands and make a connection with them like I always try to tell young comics when they're starting to headline like go out and take the pictures like absolutely have, shake the hands like it they will remember and they will buy a ticket next time you come to their city
0: yeah so again i want to get back to you yeah. being on the inside of the wall i always sure. talk about brick walls they're not meant to keep people out they're meant to show you how bad you want something yeah but it's a big brick wall it's the comedy club in in nashville it's mm-hmm. like like i said before it's like people are riding oh. on Oops, sorry that oh, oh, my, that's the wrong way <laughs> let's get the booker hey, killed listen, let's, <laughs> i've done that
1: before with comics in my car
0: sorry about that i'm new i'm new to town um actually what the funny part is when i met you Mm -hmm. i've never i'm i'm this is the same reason why it took me a long time to get laid (laughs) is the same reason why sometimes i don't book shows is because i'm not good at the clothes Uh, if someone's like doesn't respond to an email i don't i'm like all right well fuck that person for life like
1: whatever a lot of comics are like that and it, There's either that way or the complete opposite way, Where it's either like you're afraid because you don't get the first email back, or you email me every day. And
0: I'm not. And it's not. It's not like an ego thing. It's more. Sure. it's It's actually probably more like an insecurity thing. Where like yeah. I'm just like I don't want to bother you. You'll find yeah. me. I'll be busking on the street. Whatever. Sure. I'll go. I, it's like literally. I, that's why I probably moved out of L.A. Well, like to have a kid and buy an affordable home, but also yeah. to be like I'll just do it on my own. I don't care. i am already. I've already got my own form of success. It's whatever. But i was only in town for like two days when i was Mm -hmm. here in may and i was like i'm just gonna mess i probably messaged you two or three times and you finally responded and i had no idea who you were i did i did um the monday show Mm -hmm. and new material monday and then i came into the green room and just started like bullshitting with you and didn't know you were the booker. And I was like, I was like, I, she either. I was Wait, like,
1: was this the, this wasn't the other day. Though. No, this was okay, May. No, no, was no, no, like, no. you knew me by that. Yeah. Okay. No,
0: no, no. So this was in May. And then, and then probably I'm, I, I'm, I'm talking mad shit. Just, I, it was that post set adrenaline. I come yeah. off the stage and I'm like, oh, and then, and then like, probably like i don't know a a little while into the convo you mentioned like yeah i'm 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 the person who books the room and i was like and then and then like the 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 needy i i don't know i don't know if my mood changed but then it's like okay dave straighten up (laughs) quit talking (laughs) shit and i'm like well maybe it's good that you met me but without me trying to kiss your ass or whatever totally but that's probably i mean that's that's probably like weird to be the the one in the room where god forbid you have like i don't know some meet and greet everyone's you know eyeballs are on you like can you feel that energy yeah i
1: can definitely feel that um i i i think what separates me from other bookers is how approachable i am i i'm a friendly person i think sometimes people think i'm cold at first because i'm You know, not walking around the club with a huge smile on my face 24-7 because I'm there 24-7, so it's not like... Yeah, you're at work. You know, I'm at work. It's my job. But, like, for the most part, I'm pretty friendly. Um, Mm -hmm. I can definitely feel when somebody's only treating me a certain way because they want something (laughs) versus, like, they just like me and I'm a good hang and, you know we're just getting to know each other, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, But I also understand like everybody has like a dream, right? Everybody's there because they have a dream to do comedy. And you
0: get what, four spots, five, six, depending on the show. You get a a handful of spots. Mm -hmm. I don't have a
1: lot of spots. And that's what's so exciting about this new room we're opening is it will open up many more spots for people. Yeah. Um, And I think that will like kind of ease everybody's, because I'm sure people walk around and go, well, she only, she uses the same XYZ too many times. And it's like.
0: Oh, I'm I'm sure. You no, know, it's those hard. are the
1: people that are doing the best, so Yeah,
0: and it's hard to have empathy for um it's hard for the comedian to have empathy for the booker because they right. see you as as a sort of vehicle to what they need in life. Totally. When I'm like I've looked at it now as being like, Oh my gosh, I would not want to be in the position where people either love you or hate you until you, you know, you're their biggest enemy until you respond in the the email. And then you're like, Oh my gosh, Lucy's
1: great. We love her. (laughs) I think also people forget my whole job isn't just giving people spots. Like I also am booking headliners at five different clubs. I'm advancing the dates for all the different artists, which is like their lodging, their travel, all of that on top of like little things, like making sure, you know, I have a staff member here ready for the unload of the merch or I, you know, there's a lot more going on than just booking new material Monday or booking the host for the weekend or booking the feature for the weekend. Like, and those things are very important to me. Yeah. They're extremely important to me, but I also have a lot of other things I have to do on top of that. It's so
0: funny to think about because yeah, the only thing in my world is like, is she going to respond to my fucking email? Right. Which by the way, that, Monday show which was on Memorial Day I remember because in LA that show gets canceled oh you lost the water it might have gone <laughs> no, it's gone well. in la that show gets canceled because if anything happens in la there's not enough people to show up and i don't I wasn't a to sell out but it was probably I mean, it was yeah. a huge audience mm-hmm. and i was only there to do caitlin Bristow's podcast i had no intention of moving here yeah and then once we started you know once we got pregnant i was like wow nashville, nashville was like a cool vibe yeah and there was something that happened that that few days i was here that i think opened my mind to maybe like a life outside of LA. And I, I, I miss it, but I haven't regretted it. It's just different. And, um, I really, I really look at that week, that three days that I was here at, and again, it was, you know, I moved into us in a snowstorm, you know, yeah. I moved in the worst weather possible. So that
1: was really bad. I mean,
0: I literally moved it feels in so bad for you. the ice, there was ice getting up the yeah. hill and my truck that I was driving skid off the hill and and backed into someone's mailbox. Yeah, it was horrible. Yeah, I literally started my life I just kept
1: Ubering that weekend. Sorry, I know this has nothing to do... (laughs) But I don't... Do you ever... Like Uber during something like that, and you're like, why am I trusting this random person driving me? But I not wouldn't myself? trust I, as a
0: former Uber driver, yeah. as a comedian, I was sleep deprived every hour I drove. It's the most dangerous thing yeah. in the world, but hey, you gotta do what you gotta do.
1: I wish I just hate I won't do it myself.
0: Now, I, I wanna know, and you can. Totally oh, wait, can I say
1: one thing? Please. Uh, the one thing I think is really special about Nashville and there will be some comedians that listen to it and disagree and that's totally fine. Everybody is, you know, they have their own opinion. Everybody has their own opinion, but I could, the comedians are very supportive of each other compared to most scenes. Yes, there are outliers totally that are angry or yeah, think the scene isn't cohesive, but like last week in new material Monday, there were at least 30 to 40 comics just sitting upstairs supporting their friends so how does that work and sure a lot of them were probably i'll explain in a second we're probably there because they want to show facetime because i do think it's important to show face but uh, i could hear them you know clapping and laughing and supporting the other comics and i don't feel like that happens a lot in other comedy scenes yeah the comedy scene i started in in charlotte everybody was angry at each other all the time if anybody got a spot another comic or 10 other comics would be like why wasn't that for me whereas i feel like here when somebody hosts for the first time on a weekend or even an off night there's at least 10 to 15 comics coming to support them how funny
0: um, I think be I think in this market too it's like there's one main club so for me I like it because in in LA it's always like should I go to haha ha? there's like yeah. so many different options to go to and invest your time in and it's very clear here like go go to support your friends go to show face but also go to watch professionals do it yeah that's so important to watch people that know how to handle the room do it when it's a good room and a bad room and how to
1: agreed. and go see different kinds of comics different styles of comics, different... Every kind of comic you can see, go see, because everybody's a little bit different. Um, but the way that New Material Monday works, it's not an open mic, it's all pre-booked. It's all based on submissions, videos. I'll say, like, word of mouth is the best way. If a comic I really trust is telling me, hey, so-and-so's been crushing it in the scene, like, you should give him five minutes on New Material. I think I think you'd like them that goes a long way for me. And then
0: how much of that is, uh, is obviously the headliners that are in town, like, or the ones that live here, like a Nate Bargassi or like, do they just they have just, carte blanche to pop yeah. in? Yeah.
1: I mean, if Nate's texting me, I don't care if it's five minutes before the show starts or five minutes before the show's supposed to end, like he's definitely getting a spot. Same goes for, uh, Steve Byrne, Theo Vaughn, bon, Kathleen Madigan, anybody who lives in town like that, at that level. Oh, do they all live here? Mm-hmm. Wow. Then like, you're gonna get a spot. I mean, as a sure. comedian,
0: if you're a traveling comic, how do you not live in Nashville? There's no state income tax. It's yeah, no state I mean, income
1: like, tax. There's uh Super
0: convenient.
1: I mean, you just so moved to so Mount Juliet, you can get a, a bang for your buck there. Like you're not gonna get in most major cities. I know, release.
0: I saw Theo's house, cause I just Googled it and it <laughs> showed up and it was like former state basketball coach's mansion. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, that would have been nothing in Los Angeles and here you can get a palatial estate. Now, you might not want to talk about this, so just let me know, but you've got uh, your love life you're yeah. so connected to the comedy world. <laughs> tell me, tell me, um, you fell in love with a comedian.
1: I did. I did the exact same thing everybody warned me not to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, that's the key, right? You warn people not to so that when they do, it's actually like meaningful. Yeah. They warn you not to bang the comics, I mean, not to marry. If you marry him, you
1: marry them. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we kept it very secret for a while. sure. It was like a little secret romance. Um, we were both nervous that people were going to have some sort of reaction be it like the owners of zanies who i who are my bosses obviously or the other comics or being upset saying you know he only gets stage time because of that so we kept it quiet for a couple months and i remember i I sat my bosses down like something really serious had happened and i was like well i just want to like talk to you guys you know me and Aaron have been seeing each other but you know we'll stop if it's going to interfere with my job because that's the number one yeah, sure. most would thing. you re- would you really have though probably not but yeah. it, they were like yeah we love Aaron <laughs> and the every other comic was like yeah we also love Aaron like also Aaron's very funny so nobody was like he's only getting spots because of this oh like, yeah he's undeniably funny so I think all of the fear that we had just kind of dissipated quick once we made the big reveal or whatever. Everybody but was probably like, it's yeah, not that makes as, sense.
0: it's not as sexy if everyone knows you're <laughs> it hiding was behind. Fu-
1: it was fun to keep it a secret. I'm glad we, we did it all the way
0: Every gay friend of mine that's like, man, they legalized marriage. What blowjobs <laughs> just aren't the same. <laughs> and I'm like, I get it, man. That's
1: so funny. So how
0: long ago was that? How long have you guys been
1: together? Oh God, forever. It's 2024 now.
0: Tell me about his success. And how 30, how you see years. it as a wife, yeah. And how you see like how you root him on because obviously it's one thing to be funny; it's another thing to like really start to book gigs, of you know, you know, road gigs. And, and what's that like?
1: Um, I just have such an understanding for it. I think it's that's a relief for him, um, even though obviously success comes with being away more, right? Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people um that aren't in the business that are with comedians and you can probably speak to this as you're married you're married um it's hard i mean like the more success you get the more you're gone so he's gone every weekend now but i like i'm thrilled for him like because i can see how he went from being like a one-nighter act to like a, a fully papered weekend act to like what papered means, uh, when you give away tickets, sorry. I keep talking like people
0: know all the terminology
1: (laughs) to like, uh, to now, like somebody who's like actually starting to grow a fan base and sell his own tickets. And it's like, it's so awesome. And I, I see how much like the podcast has helped and like, we're obviously so grateful for Nate, for him being a part of that. And, um,
0: Nate Bargassi, yeah. also uh, SNL host and yeah. touring headliner for those that...
1: Yeah, uh, selling selling out arenas. Show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's it's been awesome. And uh, it benefits me too because I see when he goes to a club that might... And I'm, I'll never name names on a podcast, but uh, that might not necessarily take care of comics the way that we do. And I'll take note of like all the different things that like... Went wrong and mm-hmm. go okay. Well, we'll make sure that this never happens at our. And club. by the
0: way, you guys, your green room is one of the best. Thank you. I'm sure you get that compliment a lot, and you almost don't know till you've traveled around how you know. Yeah. comedians are, you know, they're just it's a it's a product of supply and demand. Mm-hmm. So in some of these major markets, it's like look. I don't, you know, I've, been, I've done, you know, you know, when it started in New York City, some of the comedy clubs, you don't even want to sit down in the green room because there's roaches and mice and stuff running yeah, around, or
1: there's it. not a green. Yeah, room. You're,
0: you're literally, and by <laughs> green room like the, the Greenwich Village comedy club. No offense to it, but you're literally sitting sure. on, you know, on the soda crates that, you know, you just like there's no room in, in some mm-hmm. of those clubs, but also like, you know, there's just a lot of comics running through, so so it's not of value. But when you get to your your spot, you've got. Yeah fully stocked uh, hard, fully stocked like beer, you know, all the soft drinks and candies and things like that. And it goes a long way because as a comic, you want to feel comfortable when you're on stage and you're fighting against all of the nerves and anxiety. So it's nice to have a little living room that's literally a step away. And as a comic,
1: you're normally on the road so much. Like the best thing that we can do is make you feel as at home as possible and have as many comforting things in the green room as possible. Like, I just don't see like why every other club wouldn't want to do that.
0: And then when you're the headliner, you're stealing bags of potato chips to go back to the hotel room and (laughs) you got to turn a blind eye to the, (laughs) why is the jar of uh, M&Ms missing?
1: (laughs) Exactly.
0: Now, um, yeah, you know, what's interesting when you say about him having to sort of go away more is I see it this way, you know, like we're having a baby in, Mm -hmm. in, in under two months and there'll be times when I'm away, but Mm -hmm. I'm also going to be like a stay at home dad too. Yeah. You know, so it's like you go away to build the equity Mm -hmm. so that you can make decisions when you want to go away. There's not, there's no boss telling you to go away. It's like, I need to go do this, make this money. So that Monday through Thursday, i'm home and then eventually you're just you know the you get to the point where all right I, these gigs are good the family can tour with me and you know whatever have you considered that like family life where where oh, yeah. may, or maybe you're on the road with him and and how does that look like yeah
1: you- i mean i think that's exactly what we want to build towards you know i mean and exactly what you said like as much as it will be difficult that he will be on the road sometimes um and I'll probably join him every once in a while is, is that he will be home Monday through Thursday. So it's like, you can kind of alternate it. It's you different. Know? Yeah, it's, it's, just, different. it's just different.
0: Yeah. But I, it's certainly
1: like possible. There was definitely a long time where I was like, how does anybody do that? And then I think Dusty uh, and his wife having kids made me feel like, oh, they do it pretty good. It's all about like.
0: security. And when we got married, I think, and, and also when like my YouTube and stuff started to take off, I think my wife felt more security that, that there was a, a reason to it. You yeah. know, when you're just running to an open mic and it's a lottery, it kind of feels like pointless sometimes. Sure. And it's not, but it just feels that way. Like what's the tangible thing I can show. Mm-hmm. And now, um, actually it's worked out really well since my wife, you know, cause she didn't get maternity leave cause she was a fit model. Mm-hmm. So her job's literally to put on fashion, You know, fashion designer's clothes, see what fits right. And as soon as she was an inch too big, she basically lost all of her clients, wow. which is just, you know, how it works. Yeah. So she was home early in the pregnancy and it made things a lot easier because it wasn't now, she gets home at four and then I'm leaving at six mm-hmm. and we would just cross paths. And now we can kind of be more on the same schedule. So when I do have to go do a gig or, you know, even if it's in town or whatever, she kind of knows, all right, I'm not here for these hours, Yeah. but it's a hell of a grind to get to that point And it looks like you guys are in that zone where both yeah. of your careers are really defined.
1: Yeah, it's and and I have to be better about going. Okay, I don't need to be at every single show for the entire show. I'm 31 now, like it's time to you know, obviously during new material night I want to always be there and pop in and watch people and every weekend pop in and see a show or two, but I'm getting to the point in my life where it's like, okay, time to take a step back and not be at zany's seriously 24/7. i mean what a workload though
0: seriously do you live yeah. close by
1: uh i live in donaldson right now but we're moving out right, right out by you yeah <laughs> in may uh,
0: how exciting well have to, I, so. I, I still gotta buy a grill but i plan on doing a i want to do a comedy uh so when i when i know enough people i want to do a comedy barbecue or yeah. something now what about what about I, I talked about this i talked to you about this before what about you guys doing um like a youtube show or something let's get i'm on.
1: open to it you're
0: so good at talking It you depends on him. Doing it. oh
1: thank you um yeah i mean it's you know it's interesting is my husband's very clean oh yeah uh, what do you mean like naturally like what his comedy but also off uh, off stage too i mean Nate land is tall and i find it a little difficult to to keep you're it the together dirty, and the dirty not one swear and stuff so i'd probably have to like adjust some of that but yeah i yeah, had maybe to do at that at some point i
0: had to learn that on youtube I had to learn that My channel was very R rated and it wasn't successful. Yeah. And then I moved because it's not necessarily someone, the wizard of Oz on YouTube saying you're, you're promoted. I'm going to promote you. I'm not going to promote you. But what I had to learn was like, you got to be clean the first five minutes of your video because advert, they they literally are scanning and saying, if you say the F word, we're not going to put, put an ad on it. So, so as soon as I learned that, that it's just a game of, you know, playing that game I had, and I'm sure in, In the stand-up world, if you do naturally work clean, it does open up doors. But I always tell people like, there's nothing better than a dirty story. So like, if you don't work clean, don't force it. Don't
1: force it. I I always say don't force it, but it's a good skill to have in your back pocket, right? So don't force yourself to make your act totally clean if that's not you. But if you can do ten to fifteen minutes clean, yeah. Have that in your back pocket. <laughs>
0: Are there more clean shows here? Is this a Bible Belt thing? Because there's all these, like, I, I, you know I literally did one last night, and I'm like, I can do clean, but I didn't know, you There's know.
1: definitely more clean comics here than probably any other city, and I think a lot of that has to do less with it being the Bible Belt and more with, like, the influence of Nate and Dusty and how big they've been able to get while being clean. And they're both also the type of comics, and Aaron I'd would included in this, too, that are clean, but you don't realize they're clean. Because mm. they're just funny. Yeah. They're not doing like church material or like corny stuff. They're just naturally they don't swear or yeah talk it doesn't about... feel
0: like it's a force yeah bit. so i
1: think people have been kind of like inspired by that but there's definitely lots of dirty comics here too it's
0: so funny because i feel like as comedians when you see like it's very rare but when you see a prop prop comic you're like mm. wow it's like seeing a vent like a vestige yeah, totally. of the past but when you see a clean comic you're like man you didn't have to talk about x y and z and it's like you know there's certain topics that are a little bit more taboo so they yeah. play well at night at, in the comedy world but yeah i mean for me it's i had uh when i I started coming i had to open clean and for a, a comic i was on tour with and i was like all right pretty much any family joke can be a clean joke yeah you know what i mean and you just kind of like learn what what's
1: well, also like watch how many comics to just swear as a crutch and i have no problem with swearing and that's obviously i swear all the time but I do find it frustrating when you can tell somebody's just swearing. Like as an like, adjective. Like this instead fucking of saying guy, like, yeah. or like, um, you're like, oh, they're just saying fuck it's as a cr- filler. Where I feel like if it's part of the punchline, then great. But like, if you just keep saying it, yeah. then maybe notice how much you're saying it and cut back a little bit, yeah. you know?
0: Well, there you go. Plenty of, uh, advice to uh, be had here, whether you're in the comedy world or not, because I love, I love hearing your story about pursuing something you love. You know, we're too busy. Like I have a degree in this, so I need to do that. It's like you loved comedy and you found a gig that turned into a full job Mm -hmm. and a lifestyle and a partner that has to deal with a world of make believe and fun. I mean, that's kind of, you know, pretty, pretty cool. Like, did you ever think that this was going to be like your full-time thing? no no yeah. did you ever <laughs> think you'd all. make it to driving with dave i mean how amazing Never. well thanks so much yeah, let me know you. when you're moving i pledge my assistance oh, if you nice. need a unloader or anything and awesome. maybe maybe i can get your husband on the show sometime oh, as I i'm gonna sure work it. my way through the comedy mm-hmm. roster here i'm sure
1: you do it in a second well thanks again of course all right
0: that's lucy everybody